1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
2: This is the Rich Eisen Show. 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 The kick is on its way. Yeah! Poppin' Live from the Rich Eisen Show Studio in Los Angeles.
3: Gosh, that was devastating. This team's going to win some games. The Rich Eisen Show. Show.
4: Earlier on the show. ESPN NFL reporter
2: Jeff Darlington. Still to come. Pro Football Hall of Famer Brett Favre. Actor Corey Stoll. Raiders defensive end Max Crosby. Plus, host of America's Funniest Home Videos, Alfonso
3: Ribeiro. And now. It's Rich Eisen.
2: Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air, and this hour is going to be action-packed. You should join us, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. We'll take your phone calls, get you set for the weekend over the next couple of hours with four guests joining us next hour, Max Crosby of the Raiders and Alfonso Ribeiro of America's Funniest Videos. That'll be on hour number three. Also, in hour number three, I'll give you th- three games under the radar. Pretty much I have 15 games to choose from uh, that are under the radar in the NFL because there's one game and everything else is under the radar to the point where I just, we had <laughs> Jeff Darlington on the show and he is as good as they come in our business, right? And we're like, hey, has Matt Nagy named a starter for the Bears this week yet? Because we haven't heard it. I don't know if we've just been in the Brady Belichick wormhole. Awesome. And his answer is like, yeah, I, I, you know, can you Google that for me?
5: <laughs> and we still haven't heard, right? We, the yeah, best yeah, we can tell. Yet. I was just on the phone with a big Bears fan right before the show came on. Yeah. He said, I have no idea who's the quarterback. Is, is it, or his initials AK? Yeah. You it's should just, it just say it. I was calling Ashton. Well, what's it, it doesn't matter who it was. You don't have to say it's you know, a big friend. It's because, just like. You because know. then if I say that, then you accuse me of name dropping. Was, what if it was Adam in the back? He could have said it was Adam in the back, right? I
0: don't oh. know why you need him to call it out every time.
2: I think he needs to. He's his friend. I got a lot of friends. Though. Have I not taught you that name dropping's okay? <laughs>
0: it's very okay. It's- yeah, but TJ gets uncomfortable. Why? Yeah.
5: He's your best friend. I, because then sometimes you'll twist it on me and be like, hey, man, you, you, you always say his name. And I'm like, well, I didn't bring it up this time. I was just saying. I was it- talking to my big friend, my friend who's a big
2: Bears fan, uh-huh. happens to be one of the most famous people in the United States of America. And you're tight with him. You should say, I am speaking to my buddy Ashton today. Why did you yeah, say that? People
5: don't like that, man. It's Why? Just...
2: just because he's famous doesn't mean you can't refer to him by name. It's like a brag situation. It's I not.
5: Mean, it's he's really his friend. Chris I, always I, mentions his me like me, as my – Don't you follow me? Oh, because oh, we hang out more. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. i am got it. Me and Don't you follow you on that 70s show too? No, that was shot on the Fox lot, though. Okay. I remember back then I was working there. There you go. Yeah, he definitely had something relatable to five more, Kevin,
2: five more Kevin Bacon references and we'll have a connection.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know me, Chris. I'll connect.
2: Billions wraps up Sunday night on Showtime. It's
0: been so good this year. The Many
2: Saints of Newark debuts tonight. The prequel to The Sopranos. Oh that all Open. indications are it's like it's like candy to everybody who loves a Sopranos which just Sopranos means everybody fans are love it. and the guy who plays Uncle June Uncle Junior in the prequel is Corey Stoll who plays Mike Prince on Billions and he's going to join us in the middle of this hour fun stuff but let's talk Brady let's talk return to a spot where he once belonged let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. let's talk about it all kind of brings it all together is Brett Favre on the phone sir. yes sir and joining us on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line is the man whose life will be chronicled in the first episode of Icons on Epics Saturday night at 9 Eastern time, Pro Football Hall of Famer, none other than Brett Favre back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How you doing, Brett?
3: I'm doing good, Rich. How about yourself?
2: Hanging in there, man. So um, your, your life has been chronicled a million times in documentaries. This one feels a little bit different. There's tons of photographs from your... From your high school years and your early years, uh, have you gotten a chance to, to see the hour yet, Brett?
3: Um, I've, I've seen bits and pieces. Uh, you know, some of those pictures I haven't seen in, my goodness, uh, you know, over 20 or 30 years. And, you know, it's as if I need any help. uh <laughs> Knowing how old I am and how how quickly it goes by, you know, the older you get, the faster it goes. But it's it's a it's a pleasant reflection and back over not only my pro career but dating back to, to grade school.
2: Well, I mean, we just showed a picture of you taking a knee in a number ten jersey. Uh, I mean, if you if you who was number ten for just you just got issued that? Is that a high school pic f- picture of you running around? Yeah, there it is, number
3: yeah, ten. I, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I was number 10 until I got to Southern Miss. Uh, That was my favorite number. Uh, And, you know, I got to Southern Miss. Reggie Collier, who was a great player at Southern Miss, had number 10. And I asked the equipment manager if I could have number 10. He said, you can have four or no jersey at all. And I said, I'll take four. (laughs) I didn't have much bargaining power back then.
2: So that's how you got number four in your career?
3: That's exactly How I got number four. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's amazing how that happens. And of course, so you asked for number four everywhere you went after that. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah.
3: I mean, I I figured you know there wasn't many number fours uh, before me that had had really done the number uh, very proud. So I said, hey, why not be the first?
2: What do you think of when you're referred to as an icon, Brett? What do you, you think? You know,
3: I, I sort of. Um, Inside, I kind of chuckle, you know. I, I and I've said this so many times. Where I came from, uh, the story, and I know there's other guys that could, that have stories as well that that are just as uh, compelling or, or uh you know like you got to be kidding me type stories. But you know, I ran a lot of kids today don't even know for a kid who ran the wishbone and the wing tee. And never threw it. You know, I had a pretty do- doggone good career. You know, who'd ever thunk it back then? You know, that was my dream to become a, not an icon, but to become a pro football player, and, and to to far exceed the ex- expectations and the hopes that I had as a young kid um, is is uh, you know I, I can't I can't tell you how grateful and, and thankful I am for the opportunity, and I'm just glad that I made the most of it.
2: Brett Favre here on the Rich Eisen Show. Again, Icons, which I am honored to be narrating along with Epics and NFL Films, an hour-long documentary on folks like Jerry Rice and Emmett Smith and my current guest, Brett Favre, debuting Saturday night, 9 Eastern time on Epics, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Brett, what do you think is going through Tom Brady's mind right now as he is a couple of days removed from being in Foxborough as an opponent, what was going through your mind? I would think. What do you think? I,
3: you know, I would think Tom, uh, Tom is probably maybe not so much today, but uh, you know, come Saturday evening, Saturday night, certainly Sunday morning, um, as he makes that bus ride to Foxworth as an opponent for the first time, um, it will be as if it's his first start. You know, back when he was a Patriot. Um, I mean, it has that type of feel to it that this. It's hard to explain because only a few guys have been able to do it, but it, it's a, it's a, a nervous, excited, um, you, you know, like almost wondering how you're going to be pre- received by the fans, which I don't think that'll be. That's a no-brainer. I think he'll be well received, but I mean, he he wants to go in there, not that he has anything to prove to his team, his former team. Or to the former management, but you know he wants to play his best, and you know Tom normally does play his best week in and week out. So I, I envision a another Tom Brady type day, but but you know with the joy and, and enthusiasm like he like he was when he first got when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and he came in.
2: Well, I mean, you on the night of November 1st, 2009, when you returned to Lambeau for the first time, as you just kind of pointed out, it was a a whole different ball of wax from the fact that, you know, uh, you didn't know how you were going to be received. You were also going against Aaron Rodgers. This time it's Mac Jones for him, and I don't think Patriots fans are going to have a similar reaction to his appearances maybe some Packers fans had to you, but – I mean, what was that like for you that night when you strolled out onto Lambeau Field and you weren't wearing the G on the side of your helmet? I mean, for him, I, I still even imagine, despite winning the Super Bowl for the Buccaneers, it'll be a bizarre experience for him. Yeah, on you know,
3: I I, um, I had a... You know, deep down, I had a feeling that, you know, there would be a lot of booze. Um So I, 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 I wasn't really overwhelmed with the, re- the reception I got. I was almost... Um flattered because it was the loudest I'd ever heard Lambo in regards to a visiting team or a visiting player, and so I took great pride and was sort of honored by that, but much like when my father passed away, there was enormous pressure that i had I had internally to perform at a at a level that you know i even i didn't know if I could perform at and I, of course I wanted to win, and that was most important, but I knew. In order to do that, I had to play well. And I played well several weeks before against the the Packers in Minnesota. But this was a different, totally different, you know, deal playing in in Lambeau. Um, So the pressure was on to perform at at the highest level. And and that was, you know, I think back to I had butterflies like no other uh, in that game.
2: Well, you had four touchdowns in that game, just like the the game that you with, with your dad uh, after he had passed on that Monday. I mean, so how, how does Tom? How would you counsel Tom? I know he's he's been there and done that, but on on focusing with all the circus and the level well, of expectation you know, I, here, I don't
3: think Tom needs any advice from me or anyone else. I mean, he he obviously has played in big games, lots of big games, playoffs, Super Bowls. This is a first for him, obviously. Um, and he'll, you know, his experience and his, his demeanor will, will, will be fine. I, you know, I, this is not a really good Patriots team. I'm not saying that they can't beat Tampa, but, um, you know, I think the one thing that you can't do, and I'm sure he knows this is you can't you just can't force the issue. You just got to you you want to you want to play well, you you want to play lights out, you want to play better than you've ever played before, but you got to let it come to you and it will. Uh they I think they they they're just way too good a team uh to to lay an egg in this one.
2: Yeah, I mean, he it's again, he how badly did you want to win that night in in fall, I don't
3: know if I, there was ever a game that I wanted to win. Of course I wanted to win a Super Bowl. Um you know, as, as much as any game I ever played in. But I, I can't say that beating the Packers was not as as equal, if not more, uh, of a, a priority to me.
2: <laughs> Is that a way that you really wanted to beat their ass? Is that what you were, you're basically saying to me, Brent?
3: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> how could you not want to prove to your old team? Now, again, the circumstances, the situation was a little bit different right. uh, with with my deal as opposed to Tom. Um but you know, I had the I I felt like you know I was too good to play against the Packers and not good enough to play for them. That's kind of the feeling I got from management at the time. And so, I, how, how could you not want to prove that they made a mistake?
2: Brett Favre here on the Rich Eisen show in advance again of icons um, that he will be featured as the debut episode one-hour documentary. I'm on narrating NFL films and epics putting together right here on the Rich Eisen show. How do you think the um, story with Aaron Rodgers is going to end, Brett? What do you think? How do you think that ends? In Green Bay, you know,
3: I I was surprised by the whole deal this past offseason. I, you know, I I, they had they got a good thing going, and they still got a good thing going. And yeah, they played really poorly in the first (laughs) game, but they're playing now like you would expect. And I don't see that. You know, other than really Aaron and his age. And I don't see any decline in his play. If anything, he's better. They're a good young, I, I, you know. I just don't know if his if his chances to win the Super Bowl will go up going anywhere else, you know. I, so I just find it hard to believe that uh, that he would go anywhere else, and management would let him go anywhere else. Nor would he choose to go anywhere else. I, I assume they got everything resolved, so I I see him finishing his career. In Green Bay now, will he play as long as Tom Brady? I mean, there's, his age is his age, but he doesn't—he he plays as if he's twenty-five.
2: Well, I, I, he was on a couple of weeks ago on this show, Brett Favre, and uh, I asked him what had changed between the off-season and then the day that he came in that make him want to come in and end all of this. Even though, as I said, I kept referring to him as being back with Green Bay, even though he technically le- never left, but. And he said the only thing that had changed was trust and hope. Those are the words. I wrote them down here in this book as he wrote it down because I'm a professional. I write things down. And he said, uh, trust and hope is a beautiful thing or it can lead to despair and frustration is what he said. And right now he's got trust and hope. And I thought to myself that that's all it is. I mean, why won't the Packers just essentially say, well, we're sticking to our plan. Jordan Love, we drafted him, even though I think that would be crazy. So you I don't know, I don't know how it ends, is what I'm saying. Cause t-
3: well, I, I honestly, I don't either. You know, I, I think I'm uh, maybe assuming too much, even though um, they got a good thing going. You know, I, I don't think Jordan Love is the issue, really. I think it's more retaining players or bringing players back that he felt comfortable with. I, obviously, Randall Cobb is, is tops on that list, but... You know, it's going to be interesting to see if they retain the players that he hopes that they that he reta- that they retain. Devontae Adams, maybe a lineman, maybe maybe a, maybe a guy you really don't know much about, but to him, you know, is, is vital to their success. Um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if management yields to to his demands. That would be sort of a first. Um, if it it happens.
2: Brett Favre here on the Rich Eisen Show. And then I guess lastly, it's a fascinating matchup for the Packers this weekend with Big Ben coming in and the whole concept of, you know, wanting to make sure that you're not sticking with a quarterback who's got diminishing returns out of the blue. And the first three weeks for Big Ben, he has not looked good at all. Don't know if it's the offense, if it's his physical abilities. When did you first realize, Brett, that maybe your – physical abilities that you were seeing the returns diminish? When when did that first happen for the guy who was the Iron Man of football? Yeah, for you, you know,
3: uh, my last year as a Packer was my best year statistically speaking. We had a great year. We almost got to the Super Bowl, but, but we didn't. The previous year was uh, just an okay year. And I, I really felt like that year, it was uh, – I won't say obvious, but sort of obvious, if that makes sense, that to me, that I didn't – you know, my game was different than Aaron. My game was different than Tom Brady. Um, I relied on – you know, I was kind of uncharacteristically, you know, a a pocket quarterback, you know. So I I could drop back and and my footwork would look okay and I would step in the throws. I would do that, uh, you know, a fair amount. But a lot of my game was – I felt pressure. I escaped, made plays on the on the move, left, right. It didn't matter. My dodge ability, if you will, and I didn't feel like that. I in the fifteenth year as a Packer that I felt like the, the things that I used to escape from, I didn't escape from as much. I didn't react as much to a, a, you know a blindside. You know, you can feel something. You hear, you hear people say it has got a sixth sense. Um, I still had it, but sometimes I would tell myself, duck, and I would get hit, and then I would react to it. And not all the time, but I just felt like um, in year 15, which was my 16th year in the league, I noticed my arm strength felt great. And uh, once I had bicep surgery after I left the Jets, it felt tremendous and you know i went on to minnesota and played exceptionally well maybe the best i've ever played but i i you know i still even in that year and with the jets things just kind of lingered injuries lingered new things popped up and um along with the the mobility shift i guess if you will um Yeah, I I started sensing it around year 15.
2: Can you see it when you see it uh, in a current quarterback? Like, even if it's Big Ben, can you, if watching it, you could say, okay, that that looks like the stuff that I was going through. You
3: know, what I see more than anything, and not necessarily with Big Ben, but just in general, just thinking back over the years and and just, you know, knowing what I know now, I I, I tend to see the first thing that goes is a mental Part of it, where you don't necessarily believe, for whatever reason, you can't make that throw, you can't escape. Uh, you know, uh, and, and you, I can almost see it in the faces of, of players, uh, like you know, maybe my time's is drawing closer to the end. So, and I, I, you know, obviously I'm not right all the time, but but I think Big Ben has has been exceptionally great for a long time and and very sneaky uh from a mobility standpoint you know he can he can i mean slither out of just about anything and that that starts diminishing a little bit and how how that transition goes i mean can you transition into a non-escape quarterback so uh, almost like a a bewildered look on a guy's face if that makes sense
2: Mm, it sure does brett um thanks for the call Always appreciate catching up with you, and I look forward to seeing the full icons on on Epic Saturday night. You be well. Hey,
3: it's always fun talking with you, Rich. Always fun talking.
2: Right back at you. That's Brett Favre right here, and uh, you know I saw you in that Sirius XM commercial. How many takes in the bathtub for you in that spot? Look, I'm Brett? a
3: one take guy, but they they wanted about fifty different lines, mm-hmm. so we went through a lot of bubbles.
2: <laughs> okay, all right. Kind of like, you know, uh, very nice temperature. So they did they warm it up for you a few times? Like, yeah, hey.
3: Oh, yeah. I was sweating bullets. <laughs>
2: hey, these things happen in retirement. You know what I'm yeah, saying? They, they do. Take care of yourself, Brett Favre. Thanks I'll for the call. It cool. It's Brett Favre, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Again, catch icons on Epic Saturday night, 9 Eastern time. I mean, talk about a unique perspective, to say the least. Check it all out. Uh, again, his, his story and... Like always, always, always an interesting chat when Brett Favre comes on. He thinks it's going to wind up okay in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. I think hes they're going to have no choice but to stay the course, as you know, um, after the Monday night, Sunday night win last week. This week we kicked off the whole show with the what were the Packers thinking. And I will continue to ask that question, most likely uh, on Monday's show.
5: <laughs>
2: Again. Maybe we should do that every week. Let's take a break. One of our favorite shows, <laughs> Billions. Another one of our favorite shows, Sopranos. The guy who is in both the prequel to The Sopranos, The Many Saints of Newark, and in Billions. Corey Stoll, the actor. When we come back and your phone calls lurk as well, 844 204 Rich. on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for JD Power 2023 award information visit jdpower.com/awards only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts people or as you might know from their jingle o o o o'reilly auto parts Helpful and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at OReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's OReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. The Sopranos, I can throw out so many different episodes, but the one that leaps out to me, long-term parking, Mm. maybe the best hour ever, and you in it truly remarkable. I'm wondering if if that is, is that your favorite one? I'm just throwing
1: that out there. If you could choose. Personally, uh, you know, for, for my work, that probably, yeah, because it was, um, it's one of those moments where you realize that, you know, it doesn't really get any worse. You know, it's like, it's a moment where that anything you really do as an actor, that scene can hold it, right? Because it's such an extreme, when you learn She's in bed with the feds, you know. His whole world, as he know, is crumbling, and everything's gone. And it was um, just such a rich moment and episode, really, to play as an actor. So,
2: yeah, you know. and and that scene that you played with Adriana, right? Yeah. and and where you basically learned that she is your yeah. worst nightmare. Yeah, and it's now either her. Or your lifestyle, her or Tony. I, I'm wondering what that was like when you finished that scene. Yeah. Where you you spent because it looked like yeah. you put it
1: all out there. Yeah, that that that's exactly it. You know, it was one of those scenes where you know you can you can put as much as you can and as much as you want into this, and you know, and the, the scene will hold that. Mm-hmm. You know, it won't seem like it's just not. You can't really do too much in the scene like that, right? Because it's so big. It's such a you know traumatic. Uh, you know, revelation. Um, So it was, it was really exciting to do that. Andrea, um, I just loved acting with her. We had such a good time and she's, she's a great actress and a really Mm. great acting partner, you know, so, so to be able to do that with her was special. What was it like working with James Gandolfini? Oh, man.
2: He's a big Jet fan. Huge. He's a Jet 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 fan. fan. Yeah,
1: me too. I'm a Jet fan. That's cool. But, um, Jim was, It's just a great... uh, I acted with Jim more than I've acted with any other actor, probably more than I I ever will act with any other actor, in terms of screen time. Sure. And I would not have it any other way. I mean, he just uh, always gave everything and never took any moment or any scene, however, maybe inconsequential it seemed on paper, whatever, never took anything for granted. I think... He kept everybody on their toes that way, uh, always gave it all and pushed himself to go really far. And one of the main reasons why the show is what it is.
2: Six years ago, that was. Man, man. Oh, man. I haven't seen that in six years. I don't think I've ever seen it. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, can't wait to watch The Many Saints of Newark. The only problem is I got to make sure the kids are in bed. And by the time <laughs> they're in bed, I'm so exhausted. But look, that's not why you watch the show. Listen to me complain about that stuff. But The Many Saints of Newark is the David Chase written, directed gift to all Sopranos fans, which is the prequel, and, um, and I can't wait to see it. And one of the stars of it is on the phone line right now. The film The Many Saints of Newark we talked about it with Ray Liotta last week and now we're going to talk about it with the man who plays the role of Junior Soprano in the much anticipated prequel to David Chase's groundbreaking drama series on HBO The Sopranos and The Many Saints of Newark available in theaters on HBO Max on October 1st I'm also enjoying this man's work immensely on Billions on Showtime where he plays the role of Mike Prince he is the actor Corey Stoll. how are you Corey? I'm good, I'm good, how you doing? I am doing better for talking to you. Uh, My gosh, how does one prepare to play Uncle June, um, you know, in this prequel? Walk me through that one, Corey Stahl.
6: Well, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches in terms of the source material. Um, You know, the the task was to play this very beloved, very... um, uh, recognizable by the by the fans, this character, and so I watched the show. Um, and you know, this was my when I was cast. I had seen it every episode twice, mm-hmm. so I sat back and quickly binge through a, a third time. Um, but you know, but really focusing in on Dominic Keaney's amazing performance, um, and just you know, I was I was trying to you know get as much as I could but you know by the time you show up on set try to try to be so sort of bathed in his cadences and rhythms and uh, physicality that I'm not really thinking about those choices and just trying to be you know not a not just a caricature but uh, sure. An extension of of the of the
2: role. Well, it's 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 interesting, Corey. Some many people, when I say I have to watch football for a living on a Sunday, like I, you know, like you, like hey, I have to watch The Sopranos for my job. Like that literally was part of your life at one point. I mean, that's it
6: was. It was. It was. It was cool. You know. Yeah. There's definitely some some jobs where <laughs> yes. the research can be uh, a grind, um, and you're you know you're reading stuff that's not necessarily. Your cup of tea, but um, this was this was something I definitely would love to do, and you know I'm sure hmm. I'll go through it all a fourth time.
2: Especially. Well, I'm sure, and uh, obviously you're you're a one to know exactly what great, amazing, remarkable television looks like. What was your favorite Sopranos episode? Which one, when you were watching it, you're like, okay, that is it that we should hang that in the Louvre, like that's that's a museum piece. <laughs> which one is which one is that for you, Corey?
6: Always. It's so, it's so hard to, to choose. Um, yeah, I mean, my God, it, 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 it really, it it's, you know, I I could pick a few, you know, I think, uh, obviously the, the, you know, the Russian guy in the, in the woods, yep. um, the episode,
2: Pine Barrens, TV
6: 70 directed, uh, is so brilliant. you know, uh, I, I think, you know, the episode where, uh, but Christopher dies I think it's really amazing I mean that, that whole last season was so amazing I mean what was incredible about the show was the was the arc of it of the whole thing mm-hmm. you know uh the the all the different facets that you saw of Tony from seeing him in, in one family and then another and then on the therapist couch mm-hmm. You know, those three sort of prisms through which to see this one character gave an opportunity for one of the richest, most complex characters in all of fiction, I think.
2: I I think that is not an exaggeration, Corey Stoll. Um, I, I, I definitely agree with you. And the crazy thing is, I just remember when The Sopranos first came out, it was on the heels of the. De Niro Billy Crystal film Analyze right. This and I, right. I and I honestly thought well I guess they're going to make a serious version of Analyze This and and then and then I realized oh my god this is you know Godfather Goodfellas this is this is that great and I cannot wait for The Many Saints of Newark coming out again on October 1st in theaters and on HBO Max and what 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 can you reveal I know that this is the sort of stuff that that is omerta to use I guess the phrase but what can you reveal for us as we're waiting here I mean Corey
5: it
6: it takes place over uh, what the 8 to 10 year period starting in the late 60s going into the early 70s Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and you you know you get to see that world that uh, Tony was was yearning for from even from the very from the pilot you know where where you know all the gangsters wore suits and there were no rico laws and uh you know you see you, you see the golden you know the golden age and and you see that it really was not uh so golden um uh and i think it's i think you know david chase and alan taylor and, and Lawrence connor who co-wrote who, who, who the script They did such a great job making a movie that really stands on its own. It really is just like a great gangster movie with all these new characters that uh, you haven't seen before. And for the, you know, the Uber fan, I think it'll be just so much fun to (laughs) revisit these characters and to get a sort of a new uh, insight into into these
2: families Cory Stahl here on the Rich Eisen show he plays the role of Junior Soprano in the many scenes of Newark available in theaters and again on HBO Max on October 1st and you know the prequel what a what a genius idea from David Chase but did you ever at any point in time pull him aside or just chit chat have a have a quiet moment with him and ask him <laughs> I know what you're gonna ask. <laughs> yes, is is you know did did the did the guy in the members only jean jackets whack uh, Tony in the in the in the diner? Do you have any moments like that, Corey?
6: Uh, I, yeah. I I you know, I knew very well that I wasn't gonna get anywhere. Uh,
2: <laughs> with, 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 you didn't even with take the fun. shot. You didn't even take the shot, huh? You didn't take no, the shot.
6: you know what? It like I don't wanna. I don't wanna know. Um, I, I think. I've never had a emotional reaction to a piece of fiction that like I did uh, when, when the screen turned black uh, at the end of this season seven. Uh, you know, I, I was on the edge of my seat, mm-hmm. my jaw on the floor, in this incredible state of suspension. The closest thing I think I've experienced, too, is maybe watching an amazing, like, you know, uh, Watching sports, mm-hmm. um, uh, that, that, that level of engagement, um, and that's that's all. That's you know what, what more could you possibly ask for from a from a piece of fiction than to actually move you like that? Um, you know, I you know I, 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 I tend I tend to think that he died, but mm-hmm. I don't. It, you know, if, if, if David J told me tomorrow that he didn't, he still would make that moment you know a hundred percent worth it and like um, and being one of the most remarkable moments in television
2: ever i i wish i had that sort of reaction Corey. uh i couldn't i wasn't i wasn't afforded it because my wife and everybody else that was at the watch party in my house thought that i forgot to pay the direct tv bill <laughs> when it all went black for as long as it did i swear they looked at me and they said what the hell's the matter with you i'm like what are you talking about like that's literally what happened, <laughs> you know. Oh right. my gosh. I
6: yeah, I think that's not a, that's not uncommon.
2: I know, right? So you had just mentioned sports. Are are you a sports fan of any type? Are you, you're you're a native New Yorker? Um, uh, you Yeah,
6: you know, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge sports fan. Because, just because I just never. My schedule is always so. Hmm. Uh, crazy! I can never, like, keep up with anything. And then I, you know, then I lose track and then I don't, you know, know who's playing.
2: What about, um, what about growing but, up? What about growing up in New York City? Uh,
6: you know, yeah, growing up in New York City, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the Mets uh, was, you know, formidable and, and formative experience for me. You know, the Mets and then the Giants. Uh, and I was, well, I was probably around 10 years old when those two teams were uh, you know, had their so remarkable seasons.
2: You're talking and, uh, about the like the Dwight Gooden Mets and the Bill Parcells yeah. Phil Simms Giants. That's probably right exactly. around the '80s, is what exactly. you're talking about, and, right and, there. And
6: so, you know, so you know th- th- that that won my lifelong
2: allegiance. Okay. Mets Giants are usually not it. You know, usually from a certain era, it's like Mets Jets Giants exactly. Yankees. So you're a hybrid. I know you're a hybrid i don't know, I don't know. I know. we could see that in your work uh hey Corey, <laughs> before i let you go i got to ask you about your role of mike prince and billions you're terrific in it um thank you what is it like you know locking horns um in this show with paul giamatti and damian lewis in these scenes it just is really intense for me sitting here i wonder what it's like for you what you're doing
6: oh it's- it's a it's a blast, you know. It's just like when you you know play tennis with somebody who's better than you. You just you get better, um, and you know the writing is so it's so sharp, it's so smart, it's so it's so muscular. Um, so you know we, we we just have a lot of fun, uh, and, you know, especially those those scenes um, where you have these these gladiators. Yeah, uh, head.
2: we haven't. I, I, they don't give you those pop culture one-liner uh, lines. I, I haven't heard many of them from your character. Normally, you no, know, they're coming. They're coming. Okay, all right. I look forward to it. Um, hey, Corey, thanks for the call. Really appreciate it. Um, and I can't wait to see what you're what you're cooking up uh, with David Chase and the rest of the crew on the Many Saints of Newark. A big time fan, and I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. You got it. That's Corey Stoll, everybody, right here on The Rich Eisen Show, The Many Saints of Newark, available in theaters and on HBO Max on October 1st, right here on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line on The Rich Eisen Show. Can't wait, man. Lots going on. Ted Lasso tonight, too. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how we're going to fit it all in. I mean, she said Let's go to uh, the phone lines here. Um, our favorite uh, counselor in the state of Iowa has been hanging on since jump. What's up, Terzo in Iowa? You're here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Terzo?
4: Hey, what's up, Rich? What's up, guys? How are we all doing? Terzo. What's up? What's up, what's up? It's on your mind. Hey, Rich, there was something uh, from yesterday's interview with Calvin Johnson, the guy that got me uh, kind of laughing. Okay. Uh, you remember when you were talking to him and asked him about his ridiculously great 40? I think it was a 4 three forty. Right. Um, the funny part is your Uber rating is closer to that number than it is to the national average. Whoa! <laughs> what's your point, Terzo? Let
2: me check on it. I haven't taken one in a while. Let's see. Maybe it's gone up. What else? What's your point? What's your I don't know point?
4: what made me think of that yesterday, but I figured I had to share it with you guys because it had me just laughing.
2: Yeah, four three five. Very funny. Um, let's yeah. see. <laughs> Let's see what I got a, here. A, it has not gone it's any yeah, no, general at national average 4.4.55 so I'm still going up. Yep. Still oh, right there.
4: Still we're proud we're proud of you. Thank you, Tarzan. Uh, I'm just I'm just excited for uh this weekend in sports, you know, not just the Patriots Bucks games, but baseball right now, whether the Giants can hold on win one more game, stave off the evil Cardinals. Uh NFC West is going to beat each other up again, you know. It's going to be just a lot of fun to watch college football tomorrow. Michigan's got a great game against Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I don't know how you're feeling about that.
2: I don't know. I mean, I I I did something foolish and bet something with Melvin Gordon where I got to wear a jersey and he's got to wear a hat or something like that. But you know, I don't know. I love that. We'll we'll see how it goes, man. It's time. Look, it's time. It's time for Michigan to go into Wisconsin and come out with a win and start winning some games in the Big Ten and throw their hat in the ring and try and get their way to the Big Ten championship game. You know, things are wide open. Exactly. Clemson's out of the picture. That means there's a, an extra spot that normally isn't open for for a chair. Uh, later on this fall, we'll see how it goes. You know, uh, honestly, I'm thinking that. 100%. Thanks for the call, then,
4: Terzo. Well,
2: then, oh, you're welcome, else? guys. Love you. You got it. There's Terzo, everybody. There we go. Lots of games this weekend, sure. brother. Here we go, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, as well. That's a big one. Hey, a big this could gonna be the biggest week in Cincinnati football in quite some time. Bengals and then the uh, Bearcats going back to back. I think
0: there's four games with teams playing each other in the top
2: twelve. Who's Alabama feet. playing? Why are they on upset alert? Why am Ole I Miss? miss. That's, oh, no. Okay, that's right. Old Lane's, Lane's coming upset, to town, right? man, yeah. and they got the Heisman
0: favorite, Matt Coral. Like, let's go. Oof.
2: Which one's gonna be more apt for a blowout? Alabama over Ole Miss or the Bucks over the, uh,
0: the Patriots? Let's throw that on the board. Uh, the The Bucks are going to destroy the Pats this weekend. Uh, I
2: don't know. No,
0: no, no, no. Destruction. You guys, stop being delirious. I just like. read this
2: article about how you know Nick learned a lot from Lane and Lane learned a lot from Nick. <laughs> don't you think Nick is just like, okay, I mean, it was great to have Lane here. He was great and it was all good and stuff, but let's just really understand what this is all about. You don't think he wants to just lay it on thick? Well, Alabama the thing is, is like, Lane's just, got yeah.
0: the best quarterback in the country.
2: He does, doesn't yeah. he? And he only, in, in the only person he follows on Twitter is who?
0: <laughs> is Arch Manning. That's right. You go, Lane Kiffen. <laughs>
2: you go with your bad <laughs> self, man. I'll never forget Lane Kiffin coached the uh, Senior Bowl, I called, a long time ago, with Trent Dilfer in the booth and Mayock in the booth. And I knew there was problems because he was representing the Oakland Raiders at the time, and he walked in, and the Raider, he wore just a, a black Sweatsuit, no <laughs> Raiders logos on it. we all noticed that he was ready to go, yeah, they were ready for him to go. see
0: ya I know you're not into this game, rich, but Alabama is a fourteen and a half favorite. I don't know what do you mean that seems thinking. irresponsible, however, the over is seventy nine and a half that's a great seventy nine and a half and oh. I, I would I would take the over up until like. 89 and a half. There is yeah. going to be so many points in this game. We got the 4th of July with all the fireworks. Is that on game.
2: CBS? America's Most Wanted. That
0: is that on work? CBS at 12:30 okay. uh, Pacific.
2: Are you ready for your big ass grab bag, oh, I'm Jefferson? ready. All right, the Friday big ass grab bag, more of your phone calls, Max Crosby of the Las Vegas Raiders. Also, Alfonso Rivero of America's funniest videos. That's coming up still on the Rich Eisen show and your phone calls. Joe Burrow here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show, and it seems like you can make every throw, man. I mean, I'm, I'm watching it. I've, obviously, I'm, I pay more attention to the pro game um, in terms of week in, week out. Looks like you can make every throw. You can drop it in. You can find a window. You can lead a receiver. You can make sure a receiver doesn't get blown up. Um, where does that come from? How, how have you been able to do what makes pro-ready kids so ready for the nfl no, it was,
4: i couldn't always make all those throws you know coming into college right. i was a work in progress and i worked at it you know that's really all i can say i wasn't you know i wasn't this five star guy with this big arm 230 pounds runs a four-four. i had to work at it and i i did
2: i was in like i said i, I worked harder than anybody to get here uh, so what are you gonna run to be determined i don't know come on let's we'll see give me a number what do you think you're gonna run Joe? no i think i could do it on a good day and a four six okay uh, I have a few questions about Cincinnati that you might have to know if it's true or false. You're from Athens, right? I am, yeah. It's a three-hour drive from Cincinnati, right? Two, two and a half. Well, with a lead foot. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. Um, I've got four aspects of Cincinnati, and I want to know if you're already ready to figure out about this city. Just, I'm just picking that city out of the blue. Yeah. Okay. True or false? Cincinnati, true or false with Joe Burrow, everybody. Uh, True or false? It's the birthplace of Academy Award-winning director Steven Spielberg. False. Is that true or false? I have no idea. It is true. Mm -hmm. I know that one. All right, that's number one. Uh, Play-Doh was invented in Cincinnati. True or false? I'm going to go out on a limb and say all these that you're saying are true. Okay. It is true. Now, just hold on a second. Just because you can read a defense doesn't mean that you can read (laughs) me right now, okay? This pre-snap. Uh, Cincinnati is the site of the United States' biggest celebration of Oktoberfest. That's true. Okay, you see you do know that right then and there. I know uh, about the parties, yeah. You know about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to an Oktoberfest in Cincinnati? No. Okay. Are <laughs> oh, you gonna have to talk about it with your team first? We'll have to talk about okay, it. Okay, talk about it with your team. Uh and the number one radio station in Cincinnati is WKRP. <laughs> that one? I have no idea before his time. It's false. There's a famous TV show called WKRP in Cincinnati. That is way before your time. Have you never heard of it at all? Gosh, darn it.
4: I am. I'm older than most college college football players, but I'm not that old.
0: (laughs) I mean, we've heard you're older than Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah, he was in my recruiting class. Yeah.
2: Okay.
4: Couple,
0: couple
2: months, I think. And if you had one choice of a meal, would you pick crawfish or spaghetti with chili?
4: Oh, crawfish. Really, I don't like I don't like I don't like all the, uh, the Cincinnati cuisine as far as all that's not yet greater. Greater. I, I might I might learn to like it, but we'll see.
2: Okay, very good. youtubecom slash show over three hundred thousand subscribers. Please check us out and hit that subscribe button. Back here on our simulcast, together with our terrestrial satellite and streaming radio audience and streaming television audience all together let's take a quick phone call let's go to uh, dante in los angeles you're here on the rich Eisen show what's up dante hey
5: how's it going rich what's going on nothing much um i just got a question i was thinking back we got a big game coming up between the bucks and the Pats that everybody knows about this sunday night yeah we're thinking back to coming up on a couple years ago
3: the NFL all time one hundred team. Um you, Chris Collinsworth, Bill Belichick did such an awesome job on that show. Mm-hmm. My favorite segment was with Tom Brady. I was wondering if
5: you had witnessed or sensed any sort of um animosity, dissension, um, regret, anything like that between Tom and Bill. Um, behind the scenes back then that we at the general public of uh, football fans didn't know about at the time.
2: Well, I, I you know, Bel- Belichick was so gracious to everybody, literally, and but when players that weren't, you know, I guess, on his team, and there was just Brady was the only one on his team, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's because he's saw Tom all the time or things weren't great or not. But like, you know, when he saw Ray Lewis and he saw Ed Reed and he saw LaDainian Tomlinson and he saw Roger Staubach and Favre and whatever, he was definitely pulling him aside and having more one-on-one conversations than what we saw with Brady. And in terms of, you know, the warmth and the connection between him and the guests that we saw throughout the entire episode, he didn't have that with Brady. And I I will just say this. I don't know if that's because that, again, that was the first one out of the gate. So he had not really gotten any of us hadn't gotten into a comfort level as to how we were going to broadcast this show together. So I don't know what to how to put that all together. Um, But, you know, Seth Wickersham, the author was on yesterday. I appreciate the call said he wrote in the book and I haven't read that part yet that Brady was nervous about going into that NFL 100 all time team show because he had not seen Belichick and he was not he did not go to the OTAs. And things were, you know, coming to a head in terms of whether he's going to get a long-term deal that he did not get. So, make that what you wish. But Bre- Belichick said today, you know, he, there's no other quarterback he'd want. <laughs> what more do you want the guy to say? Like I said yesterday in the in the what what is he really thinking segment? It's just like he didn't think at age 44 you know, age 43 to age 44, that he would be doing what he's doing and yeah. meriting a three-, four-year-long contract. And the the, the right. Buccaneers are, gave him what he wanted, which is everything that he wasn't getting in New England, and they look like geniuses. And by the <laughs>
0: way, we would all think what Bill thought. Like, that's totally reasonable to assume that. Right. Yeah.
2: You ready for your big-ass grab bag, oh, sir? we are ready. All right, right hit it, please. T. Jeff- Jefferson's <laughs> top five right here it's on music. the Rich Eisen Show. That's a yeah, music we got, I cue. A music. There
5: we go. There we go. is my
3: first one.
6: I go for it, TJ. That's
2: right. Yeah, normally.
5: <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, first and foremost, I got to start this off and I got to wish the goddaughter a happy birthday. She turned seven today. Woo. So happy birthday, Munch. I love you. And that kind of brings me into this. Now, the goddaughter is my friend's daughter, which means she's the sequel, right? Okay. That kind of made me think about prequels, especially with the you many, know, Saints of Newark. many Saints of Newark coming out this weekend. And that got me to thinking prequels. So many movies out there are great that we love, but they don't have prequels. So as I dug into the big ass grab bag, I decided to make TJ's top five today. Five movie prequels that I would personally love to see. let's go. And I'm telling you, there's so many, and I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on this. Because there's a lot, obviously. I only got five. All right, so coming in at number five, back in 1988, we were introduced to a couple named Barbara and Adam Maitland, who sadly passed away. And as they passed away and ventured into the uh, afterlife, they saw a book called The Handbook for the Recently Deceased, and they read about it. And they went to talk to their caseworker, Juno, and they saw a person's name in there and they asked about him. And Juno was like, hey, no, man, this dude is bad news. I had to get rid of him. Don't contact them. And what did they do? They contacted them anyway. This guy was Beetlejuice. Ooh, that's so him. I would like that's to know, one. how did Beetlejuice get to be Beetlejuice? You just said it You just said it three no, times! No, oh, maybe I want him to come. Maybe He's I want good. him to come. But how did he get to be Beetle? What did he do? How did he die? How right. did he venture? These are all things I yeah. want to know. That would I'm be in. a, a prequel I would love to see. I'm Beetlejuice. All right, now coming in at number four, Mike, this is what we were talking about earlier. Back in 1979, there was a guy who was known as The One. And if you were really good at math he would let you know that he had a plan that would help he and his friends take over an entire city now unfortunately the plan didn't come to fruition but how did he get to be the one how did he get to be the guy in charge i'm taking you back can to the you warriors can you, can you- Dig it. Okay. Can Can you dig it? I want to know the story of Cyrus. How did Cyrus get to be the warlord, the president of the Gramercy Riffs? And how did he get to be in charge of all these gangs? I want to see that. All right. Coming in at number three. Who saw the last Boy Scout? Oh, all right. Bruce Willis. Damon sure. Wayans' movie from 1991. Of Jimmy Dix was a character that was played by Damon Wayans, and he was the best quarterback in the NFL. And then he got into some drug problem. He got into some women problems. He got into a bunch of problems. Right. I want to kind of see the Jimmy Dix story. Yeah. Imagine yeah. football I mean. in the 80s in L.A., that type of oh. wildness. I'm here for that, man. I want to see the Jimmy Dix story. Now, coming in at number two in 1984, there's a movie that we all loved. And if you have a problem, you need someone to solve it, right? Ooh. Something that you can't go and talk to you know about you can't talk to right. normal people. You need someone to come in and like sweep stuff under the rug. That's why we call in the wolf. I oh, want to see Harvey Kai okay, tells okay, the wolf as a little prequel. Okay. Tarantino has so okay. many okay. of these I'm that in. you okay. know I like it. I had to pick this one in particular. Yeah, now it's number one. The gun, I'm, so and I'm, gonna make, I'm gonna make this quick. Now coming at number one. Back in 1988, there was a movie that we all loved that just had a sequel, right? But there's a guy in this movie who was a young man from Jackson Heights who rose from nothing and achieved superstardom, and oh. that is Jackson Heights' own Mr. Oh, Randy Watson. Oh, America, I want to yeah, see yeah. I'm Coming to America, Randy <laughs> yes. Watson prequel, yes. and also Cleo McDowell. How does a young black man in Jackson Heights get to have a franchise like McDowell's and have lawyers who could fight McDonald's? Max Crosby,
2: Alfonso Ribeiro coming up in our number three right here on The Rich Eisen Show.
5: That is an interesting list, Wow. Son. That's, that's a really great list. list. And you know, just to finish, like Cleo McDowell, how you know, you know, McDonald's lawyers was coming after him. Right, how right, does right, 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 he right. get? First of all, and it's McDonald's in the movie. How do they Mac- do that? Yeah. So I want to know. Randy Watson, Jackson Heights, own how he got started, and he became Cleo storm. McDowell. And like I said, guys, I had literally fifty movies written oh, down. There's so many. I can't wait to hear what you guys yeah. say yeah. to people at home. Uh, here's what I'll but say. That's the big ass grab bag. Here's back, what Max. I'll
2: say. A Beetlejuice
5: prequel. I kind of dig
2: that. I'm into that. I, I'm 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 I don't I'm not fascinated by a Warriors prequel oh. or a Last Boy Scout can't prequel it. in any way, shape, or form. That's fine. That's why it's TJ's The wolf. Oh,
5: the wolf would be fantastic. The wolf would
2: great. Out of all the, the pulp fiction characters, one. the wolf's a good one. Or 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 Marcellus. Yeah. By the yes. way, you could have done a Marcellus
5: prequel. I had ten Tarantino movies. Like I just had to pick one. There was so That's many. That's an excellent and, one, but
2: a a. Or, or, you know, the Samuel Jackson Samuel, character. You could have oh, Vinny Vega. Yeah. You could have Vinny Jules. Vince you Vague could have
5: anyone. The Amsterdam tour. No, Christoph Waltz and Django. Yeah. Prequel of that, dude. I started this off. I just watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So Brad Pitt's Cliff Booth character yeah. a good one. has a very interesting I think for one, me, but,
0: and we've talked about this before, Rich, I want a Teddy KGB prequel. I want to know how Teddy... How did he rise up through the Russian Mafia? Yes. Like, When did he get into poker? Yes. How did he begin, become so good? When did he move to New York and yes. start the underground thing? That's what I want to see. Randy Watson on tour, <laughs> right? That's, that's what I want. Randy see.
5: Watson came from Jackson Heights. He was also an actor because you remember him from the "What's Going Down episode of "That's My Mama." So Randy acted. <laughs> that, and what what got him to the Miss Black Awareness Pageant? I want to know up until that point Were there highs, were there lows. You know, Randy like, Watson. How did and Cleo he pick the we- no. T.J. The song yeah. Tj,
0: maybe another one you might appreciate. How about a Show Nuff prequel? Oh, buddy, come on. Yes, how, how about, did Show Nuff get to be the master? Exactly. Yes. Last <laughs> dragon. there's so a, many.
2: Uh, how about a Tommy DeVito prequel? a good fellas prequel let's go yeah that was on the list too rich let's go like because a good prequel let's let's roll it man
5: i could use i could easily him do him in three the 50s, him in the 50s oh, growing yeah. up right yep or the 40s right would that be 40s would be 40s. probably so because yeah. you see a little bit when they're selling the cigarettes in the truck a little bit when they're kids a little bit a little bit a little bit, a little bit. But but let's
2: go man deep you guys like it though? Were right. you, you down? Oh, like yeah. Scrap back. Get another one. Well,
5: let's not start. I'm Good.
2: Good. <laughs> Max Crosby of the Raiders, you. And Alfonso Ribeiro, you. And then you. And Chris Brockman, Sneaky Good Games. That's our three.